had an awesome Easter last weekend. For those of you who are not at Mosaic, you missed out. It was awesome. It was really good. The team killed it. It was so good. And the spirit of celebration in this place was just awesome. And Not to rub it in or anything, but... But wherever you were, I hope you had an awesome Easter. And, uh, you know, we are actually in the middle of a series. We took a break last week for Easter, and we're in the series called Fast Forward. And uh, if you actually rewind back a year ago, uh, we were celebrating our one-year birthday as a church. And uh, one of the things that we decided to do is just to kind of hit time out and take 28 days to slow down and just really see God as a community as we entered into year two and cover some things, specific things in prayer and just seek uh, God's blessing and God's leading on us as a church, and we did that because, you know, we just believe that there's just something about prayer. And, you know, it's, it's not formulaic, it, it doesn't work systematically, but there is just, and God answers in his own timing, and sometimes he doesn't give us the answers we want, but there's just something about when God's people come together to pray, that he just moves. And so they, the result was last year, we just, just had an incredible year of life and ministry together as a church. And so if you fast forward to now, just like a few weeks ago, we celebrated our two-year birthday as a church, which is really cool, Yeah. And, uh, and so we decided, you know, we wanted to start this year the same way and, and just slow down for a few weeks and take a season to just really seek God together in prayer. And so, so that's what we've been doing. And, and if you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, um, you know, there's some details like online, you can find them about some of the things we're doing during this, uh, these 28 days. And uh, if you're just stepping in, we invite you to join us during this time. So we're talking today uh, about prayer uh, and fasting, specifically prayer. And Al, uh, Albert Einstein, he was actually uh, once asked by a doctoral student at Princeton, he was asked this question. He asked, what is there left in the world for original dissertation research? And this is so fascinating. Einstein replied, find out about prayer. Somebody must find out about prayer. And, uh, you know, I think he was just putting his finger on just the, what many of us, if not all of us, know to be true. And that's that there is just something... There's just something hard to grasp when it comes to prayer, right? There's this mystical thing that is happening, and sometimes it seems like there's a lot of activity, and sometimes there seems like there's just not, right? And you look at one person prays in a certain way and lives a certain way, and, like, you see God move in this way, and then another person does, like, the exact same thing, and God doesn't work the same way, right? So there's just this, like, it just doesn't work to even talk about prayer systematically because it just doesn't work. It's not one plus one equals two. If you do these things, God's necessarily going to do these things. So it's just, there's almost like an elusive quality to prayer. And so it's, it's actually kind of ironic that, that I'm even talking about this because like this was my experience just this week. Uh, as I was preparing for this message, you know, sometimes like just, you know, like my process, like God doesn't say, Aaron saith this on Sunday. You know, it's, it's more like, I'm reading, I'm studying, I'm preparing, and then like something just clicks, you know? Like something just gets my adrenaline going, and it's just like a light bulb comes off, and I know. This week, there was none of that. Like I was reading, and I carved out space to pray, and just sit, and wait, and I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and there was nothing. And then Friday came along, and I'm like, okay, I can give it another day. And nothing, all day Friday, all day evening, all evening Friday. So then Saturday began, and it was like, okay, we're running out of time here, Lord. Like, you got to give me something. And there's just nothing. And afternoon came, nothing. Then evening came. I'm like, okay, I just, I guess I just got to put something on paper because uh, there's nothing. And so I was, you know, I, I drank my first energy drink of the day at 3 a.m. this morning. And so, see me kind of twitching, you know, what's going on. You know, but I just started working through this. And also, like, Sunday, last night as I was just, just working through this, I mean, I just was just wrestling with this idea. Like, why... Why is it that sometimes God seems to just answer 
and other times he doesn't, right? And what do we do with that? Right? Because if we could get, I mean, if we could get coffee, like all of us together, and just talk about some of our experiences in prayer, we would have so many different stories, right? There definitely would be some people who would share stories of this profound moment where they're in prayer and, and God just gave them this extraordinary insight and clarity into something, right? And they walked away knowing something they didn't know before. Right, or some of us would, would share stories of uh, this time when we were praying specifically for this one thing, and then lo and behold, God just did it, right? Maybe it wasn't God, maybe it was just this crazy coincidence, but for us, it's just like, I don't know how to explain that except for God. Right? Or maybe for you, it was, just, it was an experience where God was just so present. You just knew he was there in this profound spiritual way. Right? We'd have a lot of different stories, but I bet the one story, the one thing that we could all connect on, the one experience that we've all shared are those moments when we have prayed for something and we've waited for that something and nothing happened. Right? Where you, where you just, and maybe it was something that you, just, you needed and you pleaded for God for that. Maybe it was over an extended period of time. Maybe you fasted and you just went to town just seeking God and you knew he was going to give it to you and then he didn't. Right? And you just find yourself asking, what gives? Right? You prayed maybe for that exam and you knew what you had to score on that exam. And you studied and you knew that God was going to just show up and, and help you out, and, and he didn't. And you pass. Or maybe it was just getting into a school, getting into a program, and you knew, like, this is it. This, is, this will change my life. This is where I'm going. And then you didn't get in. Or maybe it was a job, and you needed that job. You needed it. And you just knew, like, God, give this to me, please. I don't ask for much. And then somebody else got it. You know, or maybe it was healing, and you prayed for healing in this one area, and the person passed away. Or you pray for this person's attitude to change. Like, just soften their heart, God. Just help them to forgive and move on so we can get past this. And it was like, it was like they grew more bitter and more resentful than ever. Like, well, that didn't work at all. Right? Or maybe you're praying for your wife and you're like, God, will you just please help save my marriage? Just change her heart. And then she left anyway. Right, the, the, the reality is, like, I think all of us, in one way, shape, or another, have been through these seasons. Right? All of us, which is crazy for how heartbreaking it can be. And, and most, if not all of us, will find ourselves there again. And so we've got we to wrestle with this. Right, what, how are we to interpret this? What are, what are we supposed to do? What do we do as followers of Jesus when God just says no? You know, and one of the things I want to throw out there right away is you just need to know by way of encouragement, that if you find yourself in a season where you're just struggling with God not answering prayers the way you want Him to or need Him to, you just need to know that biblically, you're in very good company. Right? And that's important to say because there are, there are circles within Christianity that will tell you otherwise. Right? And they, will, they, they preach this kind of name it, claim it. You know, like as long as you have enough faith, God will do it. And if God's not doing it, you clearly don't have enough faith. Right? So just muster it up, however you do that. You just need to fix it. It's on you. And it's just like, I don't see that in the Bible. I, I see quite a bit of variance. In fact, I see a lot of unanswered prayers that were left on those pages. And, and so I just, I just want to point you there to begin with. And these, by the way, were not like small characters, you know, like the people that got like a sentence. Like these are like, you know, spiritual heroes, right, of the faith. We're talking about big characters, right? So for, take Moses, for example. Right? Moses serves... God's people for a long time, and he leads them through the wilderness, which, if you remember, just had to suck, because they were so ungrateful for everything along the way, and they were constantly just rebelling against God, and Moses is like pleading for God not to just smite them all. And then, after all of this, 40 years, 
of selflessly serving these people, and he pleads with God to let him cross over the Jordan before he died into the promised land with him, and God said no. Right? And we know this upset Moses because there's like four speeches in Deuteronomy where he brings it up. And he like lashes out at the people. He blames them for God not answering that prayer. Right? He's a spiritual giant, but God said, God said no and upset him. Right? King David, known as a man after God's own heart, he made some mistakes, but you've got to realize, I mean, man after God's own heart. Right? That's, that's, a, that's, that's huge. I want that to be said of me, but it never will be, I don't think. But he was a spiritual superhero, made some mistakes, but man, he fell on his face before God, prostrate, prostrate before God. I think his prostate was fine. Uh, the text doesn't really mention it, so we're just going to assume the prostate is all right. Hey, let's just close in prayer, all right? Oh, uh, he falls down in the fetal position before God, refuses to eat, right, throws dust all over himself, and just pleads with God to spare the life of his son. And God says no. And he and his wife lose their child. Right, there's multiple times where, where Israel is going to, to war, and they, they beg God, they pray for God to bless their efforts and to give them victory over their enemies, and they just get humiliated. Right? And every time it like, sparks like this soul-searching, and they're like, what's wrong with us? What did we do wrong? Right? Is there sin going on here? Like, Lord, tell us. Like, why would you not answer this prayer? They're just dumbfounded. Right? The disciples are great. They made a lot of requests of Jesus that uh, he, they never <laughs> were fulfilled in the ways they wanted them to. Right? The Apostle Paul had uh, his own share of unanswered prayers. And he would pray passionately for those churches. And you read these prayers, and he is just praying that they would live up to this calling on their life. And then you read the, rec- the record of these churches. It's like they didn't even get close to what he was hoping and praying for. They fell way short. Right? And in another place, we find him praying, pleading with God to take this. He talks about this thorn in the flesh that he had. Or there's some physical ailment, and we don't know what it was. Right? Some people say it was a kind of handicap. Right, some people say it was a, like, severe stomach issues. Others argue it was uh, like, kind of like a constant leaking and drip out of his eye, kind of like Doc Holliday in Tombstone. And whatever it was, it, it was something that seriously hindered his life and his ministry. And so he's pleading with God three times, God, please take this from me. I am your servant. Like I've given up everything to follow you. And if you take it, I will be a better servant. I will be more mobile. I will be more able to serve you. And God says no. Right, and then, perhaps most profound, right, Jesus, too, had to deal with unanswered prayer. You ever think about that? If you remember, he's, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, getting ready to be arrested, and he knows his death is just on the horizon. And in this moment of despair, right, he prays to the Father. And he prays, Father, if there is any other way for this to go down, please take this cup from me. And God, knowing that it was going to cost Jesus his life, said no. And I don't know about you, but I, I find great comfort in that. So you just need to know, like, if you find yourself struggling with unanswered prayer, biblically, you are in very good company. And it doesn't mean that God does not care. And it does not mean that God is absent from you or that you've necessarily even done anything wrong. A lot of godly people have struggled with unanswered prayer. 
Isaiah 55, verses 8 and 9, says this. And it's so interesting, because, you know, Jesus he begged for, for God to change the plan, but then he, he had this, you know, this PS, this addendum to that. And he said, but, remember, my, not my will, all right, but your will be done. And I think it was because of this, because he realized, you know, that the Father was up to something. That maybe even in that moment he couldn't fully understand or maybe he just didn't want to embrace. But he would surrender his will to the one who sees all and who is at work behind the scenes. And so Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9, there's the Lord speaking. He says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Right, so in other words, the implication here is like, you're, you're just, we're just not going to always understand. And we're not always going to understand why God doesn't come through for us in this way. Or even what God is even doing in the moment. And right, the challenge for us is to get to a place where we are okay with that. Even when we can't see how the pieces fit together and even when we don't understand. And that is easier said than done. And I know I, I've shared you know, bits and pieces about this uh, before or in other times and if I'm repeating myself I apologize but it's such a formational experience for me in good ways and bad ways you know but several years we round the clock back several years ago Megan and I were actually moving to the plant a church in Lincoln and uh, you know I'm, I'm a young pastor now if you can remember like several years ago <laughs> I was just a you know, kid I'm still a kid I was a young kid but we were moving forward in this thing and, and I, I, I'm sure there's church planners and pastors that are just like they have total self-assurance and they just know they're going to get it done. It's going to be great. They can handle it. It's not me. Uh, that's just not the way that I'm wired. Right? And so I'm going into this thing, and I know I'm not old enough. I'm not educated enough. I'm not a lot of things enough. But along the way, as we're praying, like, I just felt like God was, every step of the way, was like, yeah, you're right. You're not those things, but I'm still calling you to do it. And so we just kind of took steps of obedience. And so I left my job. And we went into this thing so I could just fully devote myself to this church plant. We gathered a team, started fundraising, found our location. We actually were going to meet at the, the Villager Hotel, you know, over on O Street. The hotel that was and is no more. Um, and I was pretty excited about it. It was a great spot, right in the middle of town. But we went there. We're several weeks out from launch. And we went there, and it was supposed to be just this exciting night. We did a mock setup of the space. We were praying over the space. I mean, this was like the first time you could see all the bits and pieces of planning and preparation come together. It's supposed to be just an exciting time. And it just, it wasn't, right? It was just one of those things where, you know, when, when something just starts in your stomach, like you just know something is off. Or maybe God speaks to you audibly, but that's usually for me how it starts. And I usually try to like justify it. You know, it's like, oh, I just had bad pizza or something yesterday, you know. And you just kind of bulldoze your way forward. You know, it's like, yeah, sure, it's nothing. But that feeling, just that sense, just became more and more overwhelming. And in the days that, that, that went by and the weeks that went by, it, just, it became so overwhelming that I couldn't, I had a hard time eating and I had a very hard time sleeping. And so I'd walk the streets, some of these same streets right here, just praying, like, God, what gives? What's going on? Like, I have no idea what's going on. I just know that there's something wrong, there's something off, and it has to do with the church plant. What do you want me to do? You know, it's like I've been praying and preparing for this for a long time. And every step of the way, it's like, yes, do this. Yes, do this. Yes, do this. And all of a sudden, it's like, maybe not. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. Right? And in the weeks that would come, it just became very clear that it was time to, to pull the plug, which was opposite of everything that I felt God calling me to. And I was, I got to tell you, I was, I was ticked. Right? It did not make me look good at all. Right? I looked like a flake. 
lost his nerve at the last second, finally came to his senses and realized that I was not a lot of things enough. And I was just angry. And I remember just like my, my prayers with God for the months that would follow. This was the darkest time spiritually of my whole life. Because I, I was like questioning everything. Like, God, like, if you are up there, you suck. You know, like, you sold me out. You led me here. You asked me to have all these people trust me. And then you totally sold me out. And you made me look really bad. Like, I am humiliated. And the worst part was, for those months, God didn't say a word. He just felt so, just not even there. Like, no, no clarity, no, not even his presence. It was just like, out to lunch. I was so mad. Meg and I were actually in a really dark place during this season. And I started working overnights because I had given away my job, so I had to get another one. I started working overnights, which is a horrible idea if you're depressed. Very lonely. We had a kid. We had Paige during that time, and I couldn't even enjoy being a dad. I mean, I just totally isolated. Well, I'll make a long story short, a few months later, uh, it came out um, that one of the, the central leaders uh, on this team it was, were making some decisions and uh, the kind of decisions that shipwreck something like this. Right? And especially a young church. That young, with a leader that young and immature. And truth be known, I, I, I just didn't have the ability to lead through that. And had we gone forward and done it and just launched, and this had been going on for a number of months, there would have been carnage everywhere. Right? It's not just that the church plant would have failed. I mean, there would have been so many people hurt and maimed. It would have just been a mess. And, I, and in a moment, like, I just kind of adopted the prayer of Job, you know, when he, when he says, forgive me, Lord, for I spoke of things I did not know. You know, even when I couldn't see it, even when I couldn't make sense of it, you know, you, you saw what was going on, and you spared a lot of people a lot of pain. And then in this really cool way, you know, God would take us to L.A., and, and we would continue to prepare, and God would use that brokenness in myself to just do a work. And then, of all things, to give us a vision to come back and finish what we started, which has just been a redemptive journey, an amazing journey. You know, and one of the things that God has just taught me through this is sometimes with the unanswered prayers, sometimes, sometimes it is God saying no. And, and sometimes it's just God saying, not now. Wait. And there are a lot of those prayers, those answers to prayer in the scriptures, of God just saying, not now. Wait. And so part of learning to trust and learning to pray is, is kind of getting on God's timetable. Like, I think we want the fast food answers to prayer. But we forget that God does not operate like a top 40 song. Right? It's like a slow orchestra suite, you know, just slowly developing. And then at just the right time, all the pieces coming together in a way that only God can orchestrate. Right? But, but there's something even more than just the God who sees and knows what we cannot know. And this is, this is arguably probably the most famous promise that's recited in the scriptures. And it's so huge for us, especially as we're talking about prayer. And it's in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Many of you know it. And this is what it says. It says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know in all things that God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. Do you recognize, like, the, the, the implications here for prayer, right? this, this is so huge. Right? What it means is that God not only has our best interests in mind, and not only is he active, but he's active for our good at all times, which means every unanswered prayer is not by happenstance, but it's specifically for the reason that God is up to something better. Or because he's a God who loves us enough to not always give us what we want, but a God who loves us enough to get up, give us what we need. 
I love how Jesus puts it as he's, he's talking about this relationship. And this is how he characterizes it. It's so good. This is Matthew chapter 7, verses 9 and 11. He says, Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And I love this. So he's picturing, he's giving us this incredibly intimate picture of what this looks like, of what prayer looks like, and what this relationship looks like. And he's saying, look, it is like a, it is like a child to a loving, compassionate father. Right? And so our prayers take on this language right, of, I love you, Dad. Or I thank you, Dad. All right, Dad, I, I need your help. And uh, in addition, he says that he's actually not only just any kind of father, but he's a, a good, compassionate father who loves to say yes to his kids, which is huge. And as a dad, like, this kind of just strikes a chord with me, right? because we've got two daughters, they're five and three, I absolutely love them. And as a dad, I've got to tell you, I love being able to say yes to them, right? especially when they come to me with questions it's like, Dad, can we snuggle? You know, Dad, can we play? Dad, can we go on a daddy-daughter date night? You know, it's like, yes, of course we can. You know, Dad, should we watch a movie while you and Mom go in the bedroom and kiss each other? Yes. I love saying yes to those. But there are times, you know, when I just have to say, you know, not now. You need, you need to wait. Right? Or not now. You need to wait until you're much older. And there's other times, many times, when I have to say, nope. Can't do that. Can't do that for you, sweetie. I love you, but no. And it's not because I don't love them. In fact, it's quite the opposite. It's because I do love them. And as their dad, I see so much more than they see. Right? And I desire what's best for them. Right? And there's, there's this, it's this picture of our relationship with, with God. I mean, this childlike faith, isn't that what it is? Getting to a point where it's like, oh, I know I want to play God. I know the plans that I have for my life. And this makes sense. But I've got to trust that God sees what I, I can't see. And he's got my best interests in mind. You know, as the girls grow older, if they want to get a lot of yeses from their dad, or they need to learn just a couple things. They need to learn the boundaries outside of which I'm going to always say no. Right? And they just need to learn like, some trajectory to kind of asks that I'm probably almost always going to say yes. I'm going to do everything I can to say yes to. Right? So if they come to me and they're like, hey, Dad, can you buy us booze? It's like, what? No. Go to your room, you know? It's like, hey, can I skip class on Friday to go camping with my friends? It's like, no, get kids to school. You know, Dad, can I stay out past curfew with Jonathan and these other guys? It's like, what? No, who's Jonathan? I'll kill him. It's like, no, there's certain things where it's like, I'm not going to say yes to that. You know, Dad, can I buy this mini skirt? You know, it's like, no, nothing mini, no. If it says mini, no. Right? And if they realize that, they don't even have to ask those things because there's there's boundaries. I'm going to say no. And it's not because I don't love them, it's because I do, but it violates my character and it violates like what I'm trying to do in their life. Right? But there's certain things like if they ask me, I'm going to do everything in my power to say yes. Or if they come up to me and ask, hey, Dad, can I come with you on your next speaking engagement? We can do a little you know, travel thing together. Like, I'm going to do everything in my power to make that happen. I will make them pay for it somehow. Right? Or if it's, you know, if it's Dad, can, can I get some of your time? Will you teach me this thing? Will you come to my game? Will you be with me? It's like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to find a way. You know, or even if it's like things that's like, Dad, I know I'm a little young, but what, could I, can I go on that trip? the other side of the world. I know it's kind of a dangerous area, but I would love to serve those people as a part of this missions team. You've you got to know as a dad, I'm going to do everything in my power 
to say yes. Why? Because that's an investment in their development, and they're honoring uh, not only me, but, but more importantly, they're honoring God. Right? And so this is, this is, just so you know, this is like there are serious parallels here when it comes to answered prayer. Like when we look at the scriptures, there are certain things that God loves to say yes to. Loves to say yes to. When we, when we come under him and we, we ask for things that are in accordance with his will, he loves to say yes to those prayers. When we come and we're like, yeah, you know what? Everything I have, it's, it's nothing's off limits. You know, I'm just... Lead me, help me to do this. Like, you know, and God just wants to say, yes, yes, yes. I want to do that in you. Right, so, and where do we learn what, what that will is, right? Obviously, we start with scriptures. Right? We start to, to learn the character of God. Right, what he, what he calls us into, what he invites us into, what he desires of our lives. So you know better just what to ask him for. Right, some of those things you can definitely guess. You'd probably be pretty darn close. But there are also things where, I mean, on the negative side, there are things that God will never say yes to. And as a pastor, it never ceases to amaze me. Like, there's always people that will ask permission for something that they know the Bible condemns. As if, like, as a pastor, I have the right to be like, yeah, I don't think God really meant that one. At least not for you. You know, it's like, but it happens all the time. There are some things, it's like, and I wonder, like, how many of our prayers, like, we are just... We're asking for things where it's like, yeah, God already answered that one, you know. So there's certain things that God just loves to say yes to. He loves to say no to. And so here's, here's kind of where I want to land this morning. Here's what I want to challenge you a little bit. All right, like I said, when, when, when there are unanswered prayers in your life, it doesn't necessarily mean that there's anything going on that's wrong in your life. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But I can tell you another thing. That if you're living wrongfully and you know it, you should not expect answered prayers. Right? Nobody told me this when I was a kid. Nobody, I was just told, you know, when you pray, you just open your mouth and just start talking. Tell Jesus about your day, ask him for whatever you want. Right? And it's like nobody ever told me that, you know what, there are actually times when, because of the way that you're living, God actually distances himself and stops listening altogether. In fact, there are times in the scriptures where, where God not only doesn't listen, he's actually disgusted by the prayers of hypocritical people. And I found that to be profound and, and not a very popular idea at all. But it's so important. Because, like, man, if we don't consider this, uh, there's a lot of things about prayer that we'd just be wasting breath. In fact, for some of us, you might be wasting a lot of breath praying. And really, you need to step away and look at your life. Because God might not be listening. Whew. All right, so just to show you, I want to I just throw several passages at you. Just to show you, I'm not making this up. And I can could, I could throw a lot more, but I'm just, for time's sake, I'm not going to. So Jesus, start with Jesus. Always a good place to start. John 15, 7, all right, this is what he says. All right, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will and it shall be done for you. All right, you get the, the kind of clause at the beginning. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, then. All right, and so there, there's, there's an interconnection here between the way that we live and whether God, how God is responding and hearing our prayers. All right, Peter, another great place, 1 Peter 3. And, and I love this. I remember hearing a story with Francis Chan, who uh, I really like for a lot of reasons. But he was telling this story about this guy who came up to him in church. They were praying for people. And this guy asked, hey, can I, can you, will you pray for me? And Francis is like, yeah, sure, absolutely. Uh, we can definitely pray. And they were talking, and you know, this guy begins to tell, tell him what he wants to pray for. And he's like, you know, I, I've been married for so many years. We have kids, and 
And it's, honestly, it's just a mess. Like me and my wife, we are not close. I'm not happy. She's not happy. It's not working. And I have this job opportunity in another city, and I'm going to take it. Uh, but would you just pray for me that God would just give me a great new start? And I love Francis because he's like, heck no, I'm not going to pray that prayer. He's like, are you kidding me? You honestly think that God is going to hear that? And then he reads this passage, and it's so good. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. He says, Husbands, live considerately with your wives, bestowing honor on the women as the weaker vessel, since you are joint heirs of the grace of life. Then get this, in order that your prayers may not be hindered. Right, get that? You need to do this. You need to conduct yourself in this way. Treat that woman well. Love her. Honor her. If you don't, it's going to affect your prayers, both the sending and the receiving. And then just to make sure we got it, just in case we missed it, four verses later it says this. It says, turn away from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. First chapter of Isaiah Verses 15 and 18, God speaks to the, the people of Israel, just off doing their own thing, living however they want to live. It says this, When you spread forth your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen, for your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, and for the love, learn to do good. Right, 200 years before that, God spoke through Solomon said, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then, then I will hear them from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Right, and lastly, one more. The psalmist confirms this through his personal experience, which he shares in Psalm 66, verses 17 through 19. He says, I cried out to him with my mouth. His praise was on my tongue. For if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. All right, so you're hearing this Old Testament, New Testament, you name it, it's all over the place, the Gospels, that there is an interconnection between our life, the way that we live, the choices that we make, and how God receives and responds to our prayers. Big stuff. Now, that being said, point of clarification that's really important. All right, this is not about earning God's favor. All right, this is not about like earning brownie points with God, right, chalking up like your spiritual coins, and putting them in the divine vending machine, and the goodies fall out. Right? That's not the way that this works. Right? Because biblically, man, the only way we can even approach God is under grace. Right? It is a gift to just be able to come before him, and he says, just bring your request to me. Right? That is a gift. And so this is not about earning God's favor. Okay? So we are all kind of on a level playing field there. And also, it's not about perfection either. Right? So this is not... All right, so here's the thing. There's like, there's like, I know we're all like on the spiritual spectrum in here, and we're kind of all over the place, but there's two general kind of types of people that, that need to hear this in a very different way. All right, and, and for one, like there's people, and I know there's, there's always a number of us that are part of this community, and you are just new to this whole thing, right? You didn't grow up in church, or maybe you did, and you just jumped off the boat, you know, somewhere along the way the first time you had a choice. Are you not sure maybe where you land spiritually or what you believe about God? This is all new. You're just wading into the waters, Right? And you need to know that, that this, is, this is, like, the way that God receives you is as a father. Right? And have you ever been around, father, like, parents when their kids are just learning how to walk? Right? It's kind of cute, but it's kind of annoying, too. 
right? It was because, like, that kid, like, starts taking those first, like, stumbles, you know, that first step, and you're just, I did this. You're freaking out, right? You're freaking out. You're on the phone. You're calling grandpas and grandmas. You're like, you're not going to believe this. They're walking, and then you're taking pictures and throwing it all over social media. You know, it's like, he's, a, he's so far ahead of the curve, you know? Like, did you see that little, like, style points he threw in there? Like, he's just going to be a genius. I can see it. He walked, you know? And, and I just believe that this is, this is how God sees us as we are learning this thing. Right? That it is that as clumsy as we do it, and as much as we stumble, right, even when we fall and smoke our face on the coffee table, right, that, that God watches us get back up and take a couple more steps. And I just believe that God is in the heavens just like pumping his fist, just like, yes! Are you seeing this? This is beautiful. This is a process. Do you see him smoke his head on the coffee table and get back up? He's unstoppable. <laughs> and I just think that you just got to understand, like, this is a process, all right? And I think it's just so easy to, like, land in this legalistic place with what you're hearing. And just don't do that. Right? God understands. Like, embrace the process. Rejoice in it. God does. All right? And so that's, that's like, one people. All right? But then there's another group of people. And none of this is new to you. In fact... You come every week, and you have heard pretty much everything, the whole gamut of what's being said on Sunday. You're rarely ever surprised. And yet, you know, you, unlike, so unlike this person, you're not like the spiritual two-year-old. You're, you're 28, right? Or you should be, but you're still in diapers, right? And you, you, you're not, you can't feed yourself, right? And you walk into church, and it's like, everything needs to stop to serve me. How can you meet my needs? Right? You can't even walk yet, really. You know, so one of those, like, toddler, rolly things, which at 28 is not cute. Right? And it's just like, and here's, here's where, like, I just get really concerned. As I just see, I see a lot of this, and it's not new, you have too, where people come in, and along the way, like, there's this, this beautiful process, and rather when they smoke their face or whatever, and rather than getting up and confessing it, and just moving forward one step at a time. There's areas of our lives where we're just like, you get to a point where you're like, you know, I know the Bible says that, but I'm just going to do what I want. You know, like, God, you can have this stuff over here and this stuff over here, but when it comes to this, this is off limits. And I know what you say, but I just, I really don't care that much. I'm just going to bank on grace on this. And what, what ends up happening, right, Hebrews talks about this. What ends up happening is your heart becomes hard. And your ears become dull of hearing. And over time, my fear is that you go through this spiritual journey, and the way that you understand it is that essentially God is distant most of the time. And you have a few, like, kind of spiritual mountaintop experiences along the way. But for the most part, God is pretty distant, and you just kind of go through this religious rigmarole without any kind of dynamic relationship. And you think that that is normal. Like, that that's the goal. And as long as you've thrown a few bucks in the plate and sitting on Sunday morning, that, that God is essentially like, yeah, good job. You know what? You're so much better than all those other people. And that's just not it. That's just not the way it works. And I just get, I get so concerned. I'm right? just wondering how many of us are at that, are at that place. And again, this is, not, this is not about perfection. What this is, is when you smash your face on the coffee table, what do you do in that moment? Do you resolve, you know what? I'm just going to indulge. I just like this so much. Or is there this repentance, you know what? God, will you help me with this? I don't want to make that mistake again. 
And so whatever this area of my life is, I'm just going to, I'm throwing it in your hands. I can't beat this by myself, but just know that I'm yours. Right? Here I am, send me. Those are completely different heart postures. Would you agree? Completely different. And again, it affects the way that we not only communicate with our Father, but the way that He communicates and responds to us. And I, I just can't help but imagine what would happen right, if a community of people like, stopped playing charades and putting on the mask Right? And hiding those areas of our lives where it's like, you know what, God, this is just off limits. And if we would just open that up, right? and as clumsily as we <laughs> get along, and as much as we might stumble and fall and need bandages along the way, I just wonder if a community committed to that process, what God could do through that community. Right? And here's, here's the amazing thing. Here's the, here's the good news. Okay? The good news is that, that God is really, really good. And really, really gracious. Right? And so if you've got areas in your life and you, you're thinking about it and you know what I'm talking about, you just got to know that God is ready to embrace you with open arms. He is. And he'll take it and do with it what he will with it and it'll be a process and it will probably be messy. Right? But you don't got to earn that. That's just available to you. And the amazing thing is, is I believe that there are probably a lot of us that are just a couple few big life decisions away from posturing ourselves in such a way that God can finally do what he wants to do, which is turn to you as his son, as his daughter, and say, yes, yes, yes. Right, but the bad news, right, the bad news is that if we don't allow him access to those areas, right, eventually those promptings of the Spirit, right, that drawing of you close, that whispering in your ear, will grow so faint, and you won't be able to hear it anymore and God will leave you to your vices. And so essentially, the ball is really in our court. It's in yours. Nobody can force that on you or coerce that. And in fact, these issues, probably a lot of this probably nobody knows about but you. But man, if God is speaking to your heart, respond. And see what God does. Here's my prayer for us. This is what I, I just pray for us as a community would be true of us as we come before God. Just this heart posture it's Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. And it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the grace that you have shown me as I have stumbled my way on this journey so many times. And despite the black eyes and the scraped knees and elbows, you have always come to help pick me up and to embrace me in open arms, even when I tried to run headlong from you. Lord, I ask for an attentiveness in our spirits that you would soften those hard parts of our hearts that have become so hard over the years, that you would reawaken our ears to hear the whisper of your spirit. And that God, as we just, perhaps in a lot of fear, just seek to courageously open up those areas of our lives that we have up until now closed off from you, God, I ask that you would enter in and do such a profound work. 
and that you would help us to embrace the fact that it is a process, that it is messy, that we are not going to always get it right. That you encourage us to pray, you know, Lord, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who, who, who trespass against us. Or that that was a daily prayer. And I think because you knew that daily we were going to have to pray that because daily we would get it wrong. And yet there you are. So Lord, make us and mold us and shape us. Teach us how to eat and run and dance. Lord, we love you and we give you what we have and we pray these things in your name. Amen.